The Capital Ideas Podcast now has a new monthly edition hosted by Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin. Investment professionals reveal their best mentors, how they find their next great idea, and a few funny stories. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. American Funds Distributors, Inc. The countdown has begun. This May, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg, held in conjunction with our official partners, the Qatar Ministry of Commerce and Industry and Media City Qatar and premier sponsor Q&B. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections and gain unique insights. Learn more at QatarEconomicForum.com. Good morning, I'm Brian Curtis. And I'm Doug Krisner. Here are the stories we're following today. Fitch ratings saying that growing debt and deficit forecast key in the decision to downgrade the U.S. credit weight rating. Yesterday, the company lowered the rating from AAA to AA+. Here's Fitch co-head of American Sovereigns, Richard Francis. We're just saying that we do not think that the, the underlying fiscal story and or and the governance uh, it, it, you know, is compatible with AAA anymore. Francis said that Fitch took into consideration the projected growth in government debt as a percentage of GDP. The company forecasts that ratio to reach 118 percent by 2025, and that's more than two and a half times the AAA median of just 39.3 percent. At the same time today, the U.S. Treasury boosted the size of its quarterly bond sales for the first time in two and a half years. More from Bloomberg's Ann Cates. The Treasury will sell $103 billion worth of longer-term securities to help finance a surge in budget deficits. The increase spotlights the rising borrowing needs that contributed to Fitch's decision to lower the U.S. credit rating by a notch from AAA to AA+. Officials at Treasury say Fitch's move will not change what American and global investors know, that Treasury securities remain the world's preeminent safe and liquid asset, and that the American economy is fundamentally strong. In Washington, Ann Cates, Bloomberg Daybreak Asia. After the closing bell, we got a mixed report from Qualcomm, the largest maker of semiconductors uh, for mobile phones. And we saw a big sell-off in the uh, stock price, down 6.8% in after hours. Let's take a closer look here. The company reported third quarter earnings of $1.87 a share, topping analyst estimates of $1.81. But revenue was $8.45 billion. That was just short of the $8.51 billion that analysts had been forecasting. More from Bloomberg's Tom Busby. The big takeaway, though, is that demand for handsets and the processors that run them remains stubbornly weak, especially in China, the world's biggest market for smartphones. Revenue for the fourth quarter now forecast to be in a range of $8.1 to $8.9 billion, with the midpoint below the average analyst estimate of $8.79 billion. Shares slipping lower in late trading. Tom Busby, Bloomberg Daybreak Asia. Apple and Goldman Sachs say their new high-yield savings account has reached $10 billion in U.S. deposits. We have more from Bloomberg's Charlie Pellet. It shows strength in the face of speculation that the partners may be heading for a breakup. The iPhone maker says since the service launched in April, 97% of users have chosen to get their Apple Daily Cash, a cashback reward program, deposited into the account. The savings account is built into the wallet app on iPhones and allows users to transfer money in and out like a traditional account, yielding 4.15% in interest. The announcement follows a Wall Street Journal report report in June, the Goldman Sachs was considering exiting the Apple partnership. In New York, Charlie Pellet, Bloomberg Daybreak Asia. 
Well, China has laid out new regulations to stop miners from spending too much time on mobile phones. Bloomberg's Joanne Wong has the story from Hong Kong. Children in China won't be allowed to access the internet from mobile devices from 10 p.m. to 6 a.m. For 16 to 18-year-olds, they'll be restricted to a maximum of two hours on their devices. China's big tech companies Tencent and ByteDance are among those hardest hit by the measures. Since 2021, China has pursued campaigns to alleviate online addiction among minors. But these new restrictions are seen as a counter move to recent steps of easing in the sector. In Hong Kong, I'm Joanne Wong, Bloomberg Day. Well, I'm Brian Curtis, along with Doug Krisner, and we're looking at a pretty sharply um, down day of equities. Uh, And I think, as you mentioned, uh, Doug, uh, some citing the ramp up in Treasury issuance and the hot ADP jobs report. Uh, Others would probably point to consolidation and the notion that uh, we had overbought conditions in the market. And this was uh, probably a period where we had too much bullish sentiment. We'll see if this is a dip that gets bought. Or if indeed it really qualifies as a dip because day to day you just don't know whether or not the mood is slightly changing. Yeah, a lot of weakness in information technology within the S&P. The entire group was down today by around 2.6%. And Brian, you were kind of alluding to this yesterday. There may be a little bit of a silver lining here when it comes to that downgrade by Fitch of the U.S. debt rating. At least for companies like Microsoft and Johnson & Johnson, a small group of companies that have credit ratings high or as high as the U.S., maybe they will benefit. Sovereign bonds and portfolios could be replaced with these highly rated companies. That was the case that we saw a few years ago during the European sovereign debt crisis. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, There's a lot of mitigating factors here, a lot of ways of looking at it and kind of trying to see exactly what Fitch did and why the impact has not been that great. And when you look at uh, a lot of AAA rated entities, if you're looking at countries, some of them live under the umbrella of the U.S. security protection. They don't have to spend as much on military uh, sale and military spending as the U.S. does. So there's so many different factors here in how you weigh this up. If you listen to Jamie Dimon and others, it's worth noting, but it's not that big a deal. Just want to point out very quickly that you were talking about the story to limit smartphone use uh, for young people in China. Today, the NASDAQ Golden Dragon China Index was down on that news by more than 4%. Yeah, absolutely. We had this news break actually before the market closed here, and we had companies like Tencent and Kuaisho, uh, Weibo, and others uh, trading down even as much as 4 to 5%. So definitely an impact. I heard you talking on the previous program a little bit about you know people looking at this and saying, now, wait a second, we thought you were going in one direction, now this. But I think you have to take all of these things. Uh, they're all working together, and it's like two steps forward, one step back, something like that. Now it's time for Global News. Well, again, we will have our guest coming up in a few moments. That is Sylvia Jablonski. But let's get to some of the top news stories of the hour. And we cross to the 960 Newsroom in San Francisco and Ed Baxter. Ed? All right. Thank you very much, Brian. New York City is struggling to find a way to house a huge influx of migrants, many of whom are just sleeping on the streets. New York says it's received more than 95,000 asylum seekers in the past 15 months. Deputy Mayor for Health and Human Services Ann Williams-Isom calling on the federal government for for help. We are seeing 2,300 people a week still coming into New York City seeking shelter. That is unsustainable. Uh, Williams-Isom says all options are a housing shelter in Manhattan Central Park.
Park and Brooklyn's Prospect Park. She says for them to be sleeping on the streets is inhumane and unsustainable for New Yorkers. Beijing's deadly storms brought the heaviest rainfall on record. It triggered floods that killed at least 20 people in northern China this week. The worst spot of the capital recorded 29.3 inches of rain from Saturday through Wednesday. That's the most ever in data going back to 1883. Officials say at least 20 died in the flooding. Some reaction today to the latest indictment against Donald Trump. Very interesting. For example, John Dean, former White House counsel for President Richard Nixon, when asked today on Sound On by Joe Matthew and Kaylee Lyons to compare this to Watergate. Nixon's Watergate was like a, a lightning bug. Trump's behavior is like a lightning storm in that it threatens the entire structure of our democracy. Dean says the indictment is written so that there will be no First Amendment argument brought into the legal defense. And the man who presided over the Senate accreditation on January 6th, Mike Pence. What the president maintained that day, and frankly has said over and over again over the last two and a half years, is completely false. And, it, and it's contrary to what our Constitution and the laws of this country provide. And Congressman Jimmy Raskin, who presided over the Trump impeachment hearing, says the Trump campaign says this reminds them of Nazi Germany, but... It's a kind of moral dyslexia represented in that statement right there uh, because it was precisely a an authoritarian attack on our constitutional democracy, which is being prosecuted... Uh, by the special counsel. Then Raskin says it vindicates the January 6th committee work. So what can the defense be? Well, Bloomberg's Mike Dorning says it'll most probably center on... ...intent, because you have to show corrupt intent for these charges to stick. So the more likely legal defense is going to be, hey, I thought this was all the case. So there was no corrupt intent. Trump appears in court tomorrow on the latest charges. Global News, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in over 120 countries. In San Francisco, I'm Ed Baxter, and this is Bloomberg. Join Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin for a new monthly edition of the Capital Ideas Podcast. It's your look inside one of the world's largest asset managers. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Invest 30 minutes today. American Funds Distributors, Inc., Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code Radio20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival. This is Bloomberg Daybreak Asia. Brian Curtis and Rashad Salamat. Our guest is Sylvia Chablonsky, co-founder, CEO, and CIO at Defiance ETFs. Sylvia, great to have you with us here on the program. So the action today, is this a serious new direction or is this just a little consolidation that investors will likely buy? Hi, good evening. Well, I, I, I would hope that it's it's you know, a consolidation that investors will likely buy. I think that, you know, we've had this sort of rip-roaring rally to the tune of, of trillions uh, in, in the market. And, you know, you get some bad news and, and it seems to, to really kind of set investors off kilter. I thought it was a bit of an overreaction, actually. I was really surprised at the, the level of pullback, particularly the NASDAQ today. You know, um, Fitch Ratings, it's, it's one agency, and we went from, you know, we went down one level, but 
it's um, you know, I, I heard you talking about Jamie Dimon earlier before, you know, the US is is US economy is in great shape, GDP is positive, you know, people sort of have jobs, wages are increasing, corporations are earning money. It just, you know, sort of doesn't seem like like a like a big crisis here um, in my mind. So it feels overdone and perhaps a buying opportunity. Well, exactly. That's what I was going to ask you about, Sylvia. I mean, is this buying the dip opportunity or do you think that this represents perhaps a bit of a sea change taking place as people, as they call it, degross now and maybe look elsewhere away from what's propelled the rally towards perhaps some of the more defensive options available for the Dow, for instance, which has actually done quite well of late? I think that that is is certainly reasonable. However, there has also been so much, you know, sort of FOMO fear of missing out on the actual rally of semiconductors and technology stocks that I think, you know, an opportunity like this where you see some of the bigger names, although they haven't pulled back all that much, but a couple of percentage points on, you know, NVIDIA and, and Apple and things like this, you know, some of the names that that are part of this, you know, future of innovation of growth, AI, machine learning. Uh, they may be opportunities for investors to to kind of get in and 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 you know pick up that allocation that they've missed along the way. But to your point, it is also time to think about a diversification game, right? We have had a big run up in in the Nasdaq, you know, the best first half since 1983, and while that can continue into year end, you know, you do have other kind of parts of the market that haven't rallied quite as much. You know, if you just look at the biotechs, for example, um, you know, there's an example of of something that just like hasn't ripped up and, and might be a good place to diversify. So what would give you a little more of a cautionary feeling? Well, I think I think that if, you know, we, we got a, another hot jobs number, right? So I, I think a lot of it is going to come down to the Fed and, and you know, kind of what the Fed foresees the future of, of rate hikes being. You know, we all have it kind of locked in that there might be another rate hike or two. But at, at that point, you know, it, it, it's sort of over. And then the next conversation will be about pulling back there. So I do think that the future path of the Fed will determine whether or not we kind of continue to rally into the year. But, you know, if you look at earnings, again, earnings are, are, are decent and interest rates are higher than they've ever been in a decade. Um, they've broken some regional banks. They've, you know, starved off M&A activity, VC investing, all of this, you know, type of activity. But it's really now started to come back. And the resilience of stocks has just been incredible to the, you know, in the first first half. And so I don't really see anything knocking us out of that, you know, for the next next few months going into year end, unless there's a big geopolitical event or a surprise in the Fed. Well, Sylvia, I mean, the thing is that uh, we had the Nasdaq and some of those big names have a bit of a wobble earlier in the year. And then suddenly we had uh, uh, the whole AI uh, <laughs> messaging come through and that just put another rocket under those stocks. The thing is, it is a bit reminiscent of the dot-com bubble. What are your thoughts? Well, I think, you know, the difference is that, you know, these are sort of, for lack of better words, real things and real technologies that can improve how companies operate. So it is different in that sense. You know, for example, in, in medicine, AI can be used to, you know, have better outcomes, whether it's through the use of robots or data and surgeries. It can provide better research. It can provide, you know, better, more efficient drugs um, for the aging baby boomer population. You know, all of the workers that, fact, you know, factory work, f- factory managers couldn't find to help, you know, run manufacturing plants and things like this. Those can be replaced with more efficient technology, robots, understanding how much you need to run your supply chain efficiently. So I do think that AI is technology that will improve the bottom lines of, of corporate America across the board. But I think it'll take time to play out. You know, we're so excited about it now. And that's great. I think yeah. it's the the staples of AI that are that are rallying now. But later on, it'll be the companies that are using that AI that will benefit, in my opinion.
And just briefly, 20 seconds, if a teen asks you, should we worry about this Fitch call, what do you say? I, I, I would say no. Um, I would say it's, you know, it's one agency. It's, it's probably going to turn around in a couple of months and, you know, just um, keep an eye on the markets. <laughs> okay, Sylvia, thanks very much for being with us. Sylvia Jablonski, co-founder, CEO and CIO at Defiance ETFs. This is Bloomberg Daybreak Asia, your morning brief on the stories making news from Hong Kong to Singapore and Wall Street. Look for us on your podcast feed every day on Apple, Spotify, and anywhere else you get your podcasts. You can also listen live each day on Bloomberg 1130 in New York, Bloomberg 991 in Washington, Bloomberg 1061 in Boston, and Bloomberg 960 in San Francisco. Our flagship New York station is also available on your Amazon Alexa devices. Just say, Alexa, play Bloomberg 1130. Plus, listen coast to coast on the Bloomberg Business app, Sirius XM Channel 119, the iHeartRadio app, and on Bloomberg.com. I'm Brian Curtis. And I'm Doug Krisner. Join us again tomorrow for all the news you need to start your day right here on Bloomberg Daybreak Asia. The countdown has begun. This May, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg, held in conjunction with our official partners, the Qatar Ministry of Commerce and Industry and Media City Qatar and premier sponsor QNB. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections and gain unique insights. Learn more at QatarEconomicForum.com.